So when you and when you sell in a startup, especially in say the first phase as a sales engineer, it's really mostly about the education and what this solves for you right now, right? Because the goal in such a startup would be just to gather as many customers and not so much as revenue focused in the first year or two. So uh, this there's a major difference there. Hey everyone, George Soto here, and you're tuning into Demo Diaries. Today, I'm joined by Daniel Ben Yosef, who's a senior sales engineer at Google. And I know you focus on the data and analytics products.、Uh, how are you? I'm doing great, Jorge. How are you today? I am doing great. Thanks for asking, and you know, I I appreciate you taking the time to to chat、uh, during the week here. It's、uh, you know, it gets a little crazy, a little busy. So I very much appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. My my pleasure. I'm glad to to be on board here. Cool. Well, why don't you take a quick second, to, you know, to tell folks a little bit about your, you know, career background and how did you get into like sales engineering? I know、mm -hmm. your team is called customer engineering, right? Yeah, that's right.、Uh, so so just very briefly, the the way I started, I started in industry in around 2010.、Uh, I have I have network engineering background, so I started in QA. Um, and QA automation roles. I I thought what I wanted to do was to be a backend developer, of course.、Um, and from then on, I got into、uh, DevOps or site reliability engineering, which really spoke to me because my networking and Linux background.、Uh, I did that for for a number of years、um, in Australia and Israel and、uh, and in the U.S.、Uh, and And then I was I was looking to make a change. I found myself、uh, being really frustrated with computers、uh, for a lot of the time, which I'm sure a lot of the SREs and DevOps folks in the audience can relate to.、Uh, and I was really missing the human element.、Uh, it, it just so happened to be that an opportunity came my way、uh, of folks that I knew at a at a Luma, which is used to be a, a that's the company I came from that got acquired by Google Cloud. Uh, that company used to make、uh, data pipelines as a service. So, if you're familiar with companies like Fivetran or or Talent or Stitch, we were in the same market.、Uh, and that job opportunity had presented both worlds to me that I really liked. One was working with people, which I was missing, and the other was working with systems. You know, it required a lot of deep system and data engineering knowledge, which I loved using and and really breaking down complex systems and terms. Uh, for my customers or for my to be customers,、uh, manage expectations, manage relationships. There's something that really, really spoke to me, and let me tap into into some of the the capabilities that I've I've already had personally. So that was that's what sales engineering to me. I really I really enjoy combining these two worlds together. Awesome. Well, thanks for that breakdown. You know, if you were to think about from your perspective, you've been in it for you know a couple of years now. What is customer engineering, you know, slash pre-sales at a company the size of Google? And、yeah. you know, we're seeing this role—the whole pre-sales world—really exploding and getting a ton of traction right now. I mean, why, why do you think that's the case as well? That's a good. That's a great question. So, so I'll start from the end if that's okay with you.、Sure. Uh, from this, the second half of that question. 
I think a lot of it is is popping right now because we see a lot more B two B and SaaS companies popping up, right? With cloud being moving more to managed services and easier things to run, you know, you don't need necessarily as much as many people to set up a B two B company as you used to before, right? There's less focus on on ops or on you know having DBAs, people to tune disks and that kind of stuff. Just use database services. You don't even have to worry about Kubernetes that much. You can run thing in a, like a hosted container. So all you have to do is really focus about your product. And once you already get that out of the door, now you need people to sell these things, right? And the while the products themselves might not be too complicated or complex to deploy or manage, the problems they solve are actually pretty complex and need to be broken down. So especially if you're entering a new market, you have a lot of it is marketing and education, right? And the people, other than the the amazing field marketing people, right, and product marketing people uh, that that carry most of that work, the f- the front line of that work is actually the the sales engineering work, in my opinion, mm-hmm. right? You engage with the customer. This is what the pro- this is the problem that it solves. But also, here is where our product fits as part of the solution, overall solution of your problem. That's a lot of it is really sales engineering. If not the traditional kind, then if you want to call it the new generation of sales engineering. Uh, That was the the second half of the question. The first half of the question um, is how sales engineering works at Google. I I can only specify again for Google Cloud, which is the the division I am part of. it's it's quite different than uh, than sales engineering in one of these startups. And would you consider it kind of like the new school of pre-sales or sales engineering? Um, I, I think it's a combination of new school and old school. It's new school in the sense of these products that we sell, right? And the technology they get more and more complex over time. Excuse me, over time. Um, and the old school part of it is that it's really uh, enterprise solution selling, right? That's something that hasn't really changed. Um, and I think it, especially given the intense number, it was intense instead of, yeah, I think it's a good, good, uh, good description, intense number of products on any company's portfolio, any of the big three, right? Azure, uh, Google Cloud, AWS we sell so many products in our portfolio, mm-hmm. right? So when you have this many, this many products, not only do you have to tell your customers where does it fit in the bigger picture, but how do they fit in a solution that solves an overall problem for you for this year, the next year, the next five years, right? That's, a, that's I think, the difference when you're, when you're selling such a big company. Obviously, our customers are big as well, right? There are other big companies, you know, Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies that you see over there. So when you and when you sell in a startup, especially in say the first phase as a sales engineer, it's really mostly about the education and what this solves for you right now, right? Because the goal in such a startup would be just to gather as many customers and not so much as revenue focus in the first year or two. So uh, this there's a major difference there. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, what are some of the biggest challenges that uh, pre-sales professionals based on your experience face on a daily basis? And how do you generally kind of like get, you know, overcome those challenges, especially for the folks who are getting into pre-sales right now? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can I can tell it from sort of a point of view of you know somebody who moved from very clear engineering roles with engineering culture into into sales and mo- making that move has a few implications, if you will, right? One of those would be is um, adjusting the sales culture. Uh, it, you know, it, there's a lot of things to be said about about it, but if the if the company's culture is right, if it's because it, it always starts from the head of the company. If the company culture is right, it's inclusive. It's got everything that you want in a company. Um, it, I don't know, flexible PTO for startups, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, they make sure that everyone is set to success, set to succeed. Um, I, I think that's that's really critical, especially if you're if you're going for a sales engineering role at a startup, especially if it's your first sales engineering role, um, because they will hire the quote unquote good or the salespeople who will lead the the sales leaders who will lead the right culture for the organization. I think that's one thing. The second thing is that. Um, it takes a little bit of a mind. There's a bit of a mind gap there when you're solving sales engineering problem. It's not necessarily like solving a Jira ticket, right? It's not necessarily I'm deploying that service now. The problem solved or the the CI/CD issue in Jenkins pipelines is is correct. Human problem solving is is slightly different, right? It's not oh I'm right so this is what we do. It's more of a Okay, I hear your pain. Let me take it in, process it. I hear you, right? So I'm making you feel like you're being heard, which is it, it's got to come honest, right? You got to really put yourself in your customer's shoes. It's not it's not really always well, it's mostly not about you, right? It's mostly about the customer, what they're experiencing, what they're feeling, right? The sentiment also plays a huge part here. Even if you can be a thousand percent right with what you're saying, uh, with the solution you're proposing. But if your customer is already, I don't know, if we if we rate sentiment in the green, yellow, red, if your customer is at red, you're going to have to make them feel like they're being heard, you're hearing their pain, you de-escalate the situation, then they trust you and you can deliver or propose your solution, right? I, I think this uh, it's a... It's a huge mental exercise in, in difference, in my opinion, especially if you're making that transition from a very clear engineering role to a sales engineering one. Now, I know you've been in the pre-sales space for a couple of years now, but what would you say, based on your observations, uh, would be some tips you would give pre-sales leaders around sourcing and onboarding and then, of course, training mm-hmm. uh, the right talent. So being able to identify, oh, these are the, the right you know, types of individuals. These are the skill sets uh, that we should be targeting. Yeah, it's a, it's a very tricky question. Uh, and when I recruit myself, uh, you know, when I recruit people myself, I, I always dabble with the question, what is the balance between an engineering background and a sales background that I'd like to see uh, for some folks? So I think it varies. I think it depends on what you're on what you're looking for, right? It, some companies have this uh, term of an overlay team, for example. That's a team of experts, right? And and they have a, a very certain specialty. They can be in front of customers, 
but they won't carry the entire conversation around strategy or that kind of stuff other than their uh, very narrow area of expertise, right? For those kind of roles, uh, I obviously would like some customer facing experience, but the engineering background is, is sometimes a little more important to me. Um, again, obviously I'll talk to the person, see where they're at. Uh, if, and, and my test is obviously big bias, but one of my tests is if I enjoy this conversation, if this person can engage me in a conversation, uh, cause I get bored easily. Um, that's a, that's a big thing for me. If they can engage me in a conversation, I think they'll do a good job with a customer. Um, for a team, for, for a sales engineering or a customer engineering team where, you know, they're just in charge of the account. Uh, it, sorry, I'm saying just, but it's, it's a lot. Yeah, it's They have a lot. to be a, a good generalist. On one hand, they need to be able to pop up in this technology that it might've never worked with, but they know briefly about. They need to do the investigation, engage the experts, learn what they can and know how to talk about it and, and sometimes make, deci make decisions. They have support from the overly teams, but you, need, you really, really need someone who can stand in front of a customer um, and be, be honest and professional, right? The, the one thing that I, I really like when people to hear people say is, I don't know, actually, let me check and get back to you. That's, that's so important, yet there's, there's a lot of sales engineers who miss that part, who are either ashamed or scared to show their customer that they don't know anything. Of course you don't know something, right? We're not born with knowledge injected to our veins, um, but the customer trusts you to pick it up, learn it quickly, learn what you can, and then make the best decision for them, right? That's, that's the idea. So for, for more of a, an account generalist uh, sales engineer, customer experience becomes critical and some engineering background where, you know, pretty much all of this stuff can be taught, right? Taught, worked on and exercise in, in real world situations. Awesome. Now, you know, we've been hearing a lot about this like demo engineer uh, mm -hmm. role that's been popping up. You see companies like Slack and Medallia yeah. and uh, Salesforce, of course. Do you folks have any sort of like uh, stakeholders who within the team that's 100% focused on just building out demos? Um. No, not really. I think in, in it, you, you did mention these companies that are more B2C. I think in B2C, it's more, it, this might be more, more critical when you sell the, well, I guess Slack is B2B. Yeah. Um, in our world, in the, in the cloud world, or at least I can testify for GCP, um, we don't have uh, designated demo engineers but folks who work on solutions, right? Overall solutions in a, in a pillar or a work stream or specific expertise will definitely generate some materials. Uh, will these materials be uh, appropriate for the specific very niche customer use case that you have to present for in two days? Maybe, right? Um, but they, they do work for more, more use cases, but, uh, demo engineers is not something I have seen in, in Google cloud. Got it. Now let's talk a little bit about, you know, performance tracking and, mm -hmm. um, and those sort of things. How, uh, 
I guess based on your experience, like what's the best way to track performance uh, within a sales engineering team? Is it OKRs? Is it some other framework? And like, what are those sort of inflection points or, uh, or, you know, actual data points that uh, you would uh, be tracking? Right. I think that's a great question. Uh, and, and again, let's let's split this to two parts, right? We want to do a startup world, and then we want to do the enterprise or big company world. So I'll start from the startup world. Uh, actually, something I've been thinking about for a bit, right? So in the startup world, you usually have a very, let's say, lean sales engineering team, which is likely one or two people to, to begin with. Uh, who are constantly on calls, constantly demoing, constantly solving uh, POC customer problems. One of the things you want to look at is uh, number of opportunities and POCs they're actually working on, right? That's what I was looking at when I, when I was leading the, the sales engineering team at, at Aluma, is the first metric you look at, what are the, what's the number of POCs each SE is currently working on? Right? I think that's critical, but also you have to know what does a POC mean to you? So at least in the beginning when you're in the learning period, you want to see how many meetings are they having with this customer who's currently having this POC. Right? So how many hours, say a week, do they put into this? So there's a lot of ways to do that. Again, in non-intrusive ways, right? You want to make your Etsy's aware, hey, you guys, this is not something you're going to get you know, performance reviewed on, right? This is, we're in the learning period. We want to know how much time these folks are putting into each one of these accounts so we can better measure these. That's one. Number two, if you want to drill down into these, is also what type of account is this? Is this an enterprise account? Is this a small SMB account? Um, or is this a select account where you're working with a really big companies? So these are three things. Uh, again, how much time they're spending, how many POCs and opportunities, uh, and then, right, the obvious one is uh, is how many how many of those actually closed, right? So how many closed, and then when you look at how many closed, again, the the tiers of the account also uh, come into importance in some cases. Um, in that's in the startup world, at least in my opinion. There's also some metrics of like. Uh, it's more customer success. You know, how many support tickets were open during the POC? Uh, how many did they respond? You can measure these, right? The tools are very simple. Uh, you know, Google Calendar, maybe some Zoom, uh, Salesforce tracking. Where you just put the SE on the opportunity, um, and that's fairly. And Zendesk, right? These are fairly simple ones that I can think of. The other, the the big company ones are a little different, right? Because the sales cycles become from anywhere from two to six weeks, become the same, but in months, right? You're doing anywhere from two to six months. You're helping the, uh, a Fortune 50 company architect whole new services with whole new, say, databases or data warehouses. They've, it's the first time they're hearing about, um, and they're just getting trained on. So the sales cycles are already inherently different. However, you're still attached to an opportunity for one, right? So one would be uh, working on this opportunity. And then the second thing would be also, how much have you developed your own skills, right? I think this is a, it, it, this could be in a later stage in the startup, but in a big company, there's a, there's a lot of, you know, if, if you're good and they want you around, they want you to keep developing and working on yourself as well. Right? That's a critical one. So what have I done uh, for the opportunity? What have I done for myself? What have I done for the team? 
you know, my local team, this can be my regional team, this can be on a global level. Have I gone and created some new trainings for other folks, right? So I think in a big company, it is a combination of both the sales and sales engineering metrics that we're used to from the startup world, but um, adding some more, um, more personal development and team-wide development metrics into it. Awesome. And in terms of like, you know, what a good versus a bad uh, demo would look like outside of conversion rates, anything that comes to mind just real quick as we wrap up? Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is this would be exactly like a think about like a presentation for a second. Right. If you're just moving slides and reading off the slides, nobody cares. Nobody's going to be engaged. So an engaging demo would be engage of an interactive demo would be the first thing for me. Right. I would explain something, I would show screen and say, hey, does that make sense? Not just like getting the permission to go to the next one, but I want them to acknowledge what they saw. And if they have questions, I'm going to stop and and I'm going to see. But I want to go through, excuse me, I want to go through some screens methodically, but also ask questions, ask them questions. Hey, does this make sense to you? Or with the problem you described on our discovery call, let me tie this into this component we're currently looking at with this screen. So make it A, relatable, and B, engaging. You have to. If you're just, you know, if you're just showing the demo without talking to the customer, you might as well just show a video, right? You're not, you're not there for show. You're there to engage the customer. That's what the demo is for. It's to show, present the product, but also tie it to the customer problem or if the demo is also the discovery call, that's even a better opportunity to say, hey, does this make sense? Do you guys have, do you folks have something uh, that looks like this or something that looks like that? Uh, does this make sense with the problem scope you're currently looking at? Um, any questions or, you know, if you're really trying to, to fish in the discovery where they're not giving you much, uh, present them with three, four examples that you think could be relevant for them as a company if you've done your research correctly. And by the way, doing research correctly before engaging a demo could be as simple, but it's always a winning one, 100% success on this one. Go to the company's career page. Look at the specific engineering roles that have to do with what you're going to be presenting to them. 100%, you're going to find out a lot about their stack, uh, which which will be will be great. Hey, you might fall on a team that doesn't deal with that stack, but at least you know something. Awesome. Daniel, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. If folks want to follow you on social media or maybe connect, learn more about, you know, the pre-sales world, what would sure. you, uh, what would you say is the best URL or social channel to reach you? Uh, feel free to reach me on LinkedIn. I'm uh, also Daniel Van Yosef or DBY uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm happy to, to engage there. Awesome. Well, have a great day and uh, thank you so much again. You too. Thank you. This is great. 